Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, Bennett, the Super Bowl. And uh, if we're talking MLB, I do want to say over the last four weeks or so, I'm fifty. I'm hitting fifty-six percent of my MLB bets. So pretty good. Uh, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's signing up today. Let me see if I can read this correctly. That's sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe B L E A V to get the bonus and get in on the action bet online. That's where the game starts. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We have a special guest coming on, Jack. Quite the podcast episode, I'd say. Yeah, and the special guest you're referring to is not the spider that is somewhere in my recording studio. Nope, he can't speak. I also like how I called it a recording studio when it's not that at all. I like that for you, though. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should set up in my uh, closet. That'll be my recording studio. How's, how have you been? Long time no see. I feel like I yeah. haven't seen you in like 48 hours. We were in Rono together, folks. Great time. Beautiful city. Boom. And um, yeah, so we got it. We don't have a ton tonight, but there is TBT, the basketball tournament. So we had yep. Joe Kirkendall, who's the GM for that JMU alumni team on to talk about that event, which I think fans are kind of familiar with the, familiar with at this point. I think for the most part, but yeah. maybe some people aren't. So we hit the basics and then talked a little bit with some of the more detailed parts of the event. I think it's a, a fun interview, but before we get to that, the news of the week, Chase DeLauder. This is huge news. Chase DeLauder selected 16th overall. Yes, 16th, 1-6 by the Cleveland Guardians. Highest draft pick by any JMU baseball player in James Madison history. Um, He was projected coming into this season as one of the top like four potential prospects. I think he was the number one college prospect coming into this season. He had some injury problems. He had some issues against Florida State in the beginning of the season. Um, And then those questions never were fully answered as he had the injury issues. Um, He just shut himself down for the season. I don't know if he wasn't going for the draft if he would have been able to come back, Uh, but he shut it down and he has the potential now to be a contributor within the next two to three years, I would say uh, making it up to Cleveland and playing for the guardians, a huge, huge draft pick. And probably his stock seemingly wasn't too impacted by the injuries and whatnot. Yeah. Really hard to move like through the minors to the majors, but so, so much easier if you're a first round pick, right? They're going to give you pretty much, (laughs) every opportunity. So if he plays well at the lower levels, they're just going to keep moving him up with the hopes that one day he could, you know, be a starter for them and, and play. Obviously he has a 
pretty impressive swing. I know there were some, some scouts that were maybe doubting his bat speed or things like that. And I think some Jamie players and coaches were getting pretty fired up on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he played unbelievably well at JMU had a great summer in the Cape. So I'm excited to see what he does. Obviously got to stay fully healthy, but what he does in the minors. Also had a great year in the uh, RCBL. Can't forget about the COVID year where the RCBL was one of the one only summer leagues in the nation playing. And I think he batted like 750. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. Did you see also when he got drafted that the CA Sports tweeted yep. like I thought that was hilarious. Yep, Carl Magenhofer had a fantastic tweet where he was just like, "So what's the line? Like he's in your conference when he gets drafted, but he's not in the conference when they're playing for a conference." Like, to get into the conference tournament. Pretty ridiculous, especially now that they're in the Sun Belt to be like Chase DeLauders, the conference's highest draft pick <laughs> since 2004. It's like you didn't let him like even play in the conference tournament, you morons. But anyway. He's also but, not a CAA member when he got drafted. Right. Like he, so, he is technically a Sun Belt member. Just a ridiculous, nonsensical thing. But excited <laughs> for him, excited for the baseball program. That's a nice little splash for them in general. I think that was the biggest story of the week. Another one that I saw today, uh-huh. I might pronounce this wrong. I think it's Jack Bonafont. Could be pronouncing that wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's he's playing in a golf tournament. It's like the U.S. I forget the exact name. I'll have to come up with it. Like U.S. Adaptive Open or something like that. But it's it's really cool. And he has kind of an incredible story. And I had never heard of him until today. Um, but I, I guess he was based on the tweet that I'm seeing from Beth Ann Nichols, who's a senior writer for, for golf week, accidentally dropped down a flight of stairs at six weeks old, uh, looked it up, seemed like he had some pretty significant injuries to his skull. Um, and doctors were saying that he wouldn't be able to do certain activities. Like they would not expect him to be able to play golf, ended up playing college golf at JMU is now in this tournament as like a scratch golfer. So just thought that was really cool. Shot him a note on LinkedIn. So I might have him on the podcast at some point if we can get him. But just thought that was a, a cool story I did not know about and had never heard about on the JMU front. Yeah, that's awesome. Great find, Bennett. Out of applause. And without but further yeah. ado, do you want to throw it over to, to our interview? Yeah, let's talk to Joe. I mean, with the man, the myth, the legend, the GM of the founding fathers. Take it away, Bennett. like to welcome in joe kirkendall gm of the founding fathers joe thank you so much for joining us to talk a little bit of uh tbt yeah absolutely always appreciate you guys having us on and could talk about tbt and jamie basketball all day well let's start with what is tbt or i guess the basketball tournament and how did jamie sort of find a place in this or jamie alumni find a place in this event yeah so um can't remember if it's like eighth or ninth year of TBT, um, but uh, stands for the basketball tournament. And um, they kind of describe it as a uh, entry for all, um, winner take all million dollar basketball tournament. Um, I describe it as a kind of glorified pickup or glorified intramurals because in theory, any anybody in the country or world could enter a team of players and coaches um, to compete in the tournament. Um, and 64 team tournament um, vying for the million dollar prize to split amongst the team um, and as it's grown over these past years, some big names have created teams and some, um, obviously the million dollars is a big add to it as well. Um, and TBT has kind of four criteria. They say they look at probably gonna get them out of order. Maybe it's three, but it's, um, 
reliability. So will you show up? Because at the end of the day, they're, I mean, all these games are on ESPN. They're expecting um, the founding fathers and other teams to show up with the guys they say they are. Um, and then uh, fan base. Um, so do you have a following? And then um, skill level. Um, and so they kind of say in that order um, because and this is, that criteria has led to a lot of alumni teams because they have a built-in fan base, right? You could have a team of studs, but if they don't really have a fan base or following, they're not going to sell tickets. They're not going to have viewers. Um, and some, some non-alumni teams have really created a following over these years, though. They've kind of become TBT staples, one of which was Sideline Cancer, of course, we played last year. Um, and so uh, being an alumni team was really helpful for us to get in. And uh, the backstory is they actually reached out, I think, to me when I was a manager in 2015, when TBT was first getting started about putting a team in. So I kind of tried a couple years, put some um, some half efforts in, and then we made a really big run at putting a team in 20, summer 2018. Um, we're probably the first team left out. That's back when they did the voting. Now they all handpicked the teams. And then combination of them reaching out to us and us reaching out to them last year, December, I guess, December 2020 at this point. Um, and they said, we'd love to have you. Um, and um, they were looking for some more alumni teams and they knew the Jamie fan base. And Obviously, we got in last year, made a little splash for ourselves despite losing, um, and got lucky enough to be invited back this year. So we're here to run it back and um, hopefully get uh, some wins this year, not just be one and done. You mentioned last year going through it. It was a few years in a row where mm -hmm. I remember the Twitter polls would come up, and we'd all vote, and we'd all be really yeah. excited about it. And then last year, you guys finally got in, and now I hope to be a mainstay moving forward. But what was it like last year? that process of finally getting that fan support and all meeting all three criteria to make that push and make that, make the jump into the tournament. Yeah. I mean, it was quite the accomplishment. And um, although we definitely were pleased, I mean, I, I think I said we won while still losing last year with everything that came from it, but we, we were still in it to win it, but it, it felt, it felt really good for me and Kevin, my assistant GM and head coach, and even, Kind of the the players that were tenants for us aj of course being one and ron and andre and devon um because we did put a lot of work in a couple of years ago and um you know it's just kind of us putting the team together but there's a couple of times where uh, me and kevin will text and we get frustrated or it's a lot of work and we're like reminding ourselves like it's a pretty big deal to get a team one of 64 teams in on espn with some big nine time names tweeting about it articles on espn and other stuff and so felt really good last year and the approach was a little different this year because even though they gave us kind of a verbal um, that we were in last year, we still felt like we needed to prove ourselves leading up to selection Sunday. And they gave us a lot of like wink, wink, like you're in, but it still didn't feel quite um, real until it was reality on selection Sunday or Wednesday, I guess. And then this year, same thing. Um, you know, they, they pretty much said we were in, but there was still a little, you never, just because based on our history, we were like, man, we gotta, we gotta earn it to get in. And so, but we had less we were able to work on more team management leading up to it versus like trying to prove that we belong, whether it's fans or support or that we're creative in certain ways. And so um, the approach was a little different this year, but in all in all the same, and we're definitely not taking anything for granted for being in. We know there's a lot of really good teams on the outside in. I mean, um, Fort Worth Funk was like a TCU alumni team that made a splash last year. They got left out this year. Um, and even like Stillwater Stars and Oklahoma State alumni team, they were in this year and they just dropped like last minute last week, right before they got in, they had to find a replacement team. So we know it's a big responsibility to be in um, and we don't take it for granted, but um, we're not, we're, we're looking for more than just a pat on the back to be in. We're trying to, we're trying to rattle off a few games and rattle off six wins and get this million dollars. Let's talk roster a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's, it's similar to last year. So I yeah. think people who, who followed will be familiar and obviously people will follow JMU, but who are some of the, the bigger names? I know there's, what is it? Three guys who didn't play at JMU, but there's also a, 
strong JMU connection. Kamaya Smalls, I believe, yeah. is on the roster again. Yep. So we have a roster of 11, um, including that includes AJ Davis, of course, who um, probably won't see court time this year um, just because he's still rehabbing. We hope that he'll eventually get um, prosthetics and can actually kind of play in a game in the future. That's the, the long-term goal, but 11 people. So we, we brought nine back from last year um, who were actually on the roster. One of the two that's dropped off is Dimitri Jabarkapa. He transitioned from a playing role to a coaching role. And he actually graduated with his PhD at University of Kansas. And he runs their basketball performance center, unrelated to athletics. They obviously do a lot of research with KU basketball, but he and his team, he and three of his coworkers actually left this morning from Lawrence and they're driving to Harrisonburg and they're going to write a research paper on our training camp. And so that's kind of sponsoring our training camp because they're doing a lot of, re they're researching um, how, um, kind of how, how load plays into um, fatigue and stuff and how, 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 how at the top of your game you are at the end of your game. So we're doing a scrimmage Friday morning. They're doing some preliminary testing Thursday um, and then doing a scrimmage um, Friday morning with some different tests in between. But um, so he's transitioned to like a sport performance coach. And so once he does his research, though, he'll be one of our coaching staff members with from a sport performance standpoint. So helping our guys with stretching and all the other stuff and then also contributing from a basketball standpoint on the side. So we replaced his spot. We, we kind of have an unwritten rule of having seven to eight JMU on the team. So we knew we needed to replace him with a JMU. We replaced him with Joe Posey. Um, who's an older alum, I think 09 grad. So um, the only, or like the, the only pre Matt Brady player that we have. Um, and um, he had a decent career at JMU. He's a good shooter, really good shooter. He'll be actually be our representative in the 33 point contest. Something kind of TB people, you follow TBT, you know, but not necessarily, but they do a three point contest the night before in each regional. And the winner of that gets $33,000 and the winner of each regional advances to Dayton to play, but he'll be a representative for that. And then, yeah, we have Brandon McLean, who's a five man returning from last year who provided a lot for us. I think he got 10 and 10. I think he got a double double last year. Cody Ballard, who was a starter and scorer for us last year. He's a Columbus guy. So De Devon and AJ person. And then we um, replaced one of our non JMU. So we kind of replaced one JMU and one non JMU with Desmond Ringer. Um, who's another, um, another center um, who will help us immensely. We, we knew, having a center was going to be a focus adding a center because Brandon provided a lot last year, but when we will give him some breathers and um, finding, finding good big men is really, really hard. And, you know, when we were in the search, we even texted some of our coaching friends, Hey, you got anybody that can help us out. And, and we would, they say, man, I got this person, but I don't know if they can do it. And they couldn't do it. And we'd always be like finding big man's hard. And they're like recruiting big men and good big men and <laughs> real bat and real college basketball is really hard too. It's not just TBT. Um, but luckily Brandon had actually played against Desmond in Germany um, and Desmond's been incredible for us so far. We haven't obviously met or seen him play with our team, but he'll be at training camp. And um, he was actually a name. So Brandon's one that mentioned the name, but um, crazy how things connect. So I was, when I first graduated from JMU, I spent one year as director of women's basketball operations at Mercer University. Well, Desmond went to Mercer and he was on the men's team when I was there. So we didn't really know each other, but I was familiar with Desmond from being on the men's team there. We both recognize each other. So a good pickup for us um, and helpful that Brandon knew him and was able to help us add him. So now we have two centers versus just one. And we had a Brandon like 72 hours before our game last year. So we were kind of rocking with no centers going into that game. And um, here we are. So that's an update on the roster. Yeah, Kamaya and then Kamaya, Devon, AJ, Ron, Andre, Scooter, Stucky. Um, I think that's everyone on the JMU side is back. If I remember correctly from last year's game, Scooter went off for like yeah. some un. I think like, he might have had ten point. He might have had double figure scoring too. Yeah. Can we expect the same out of him this season? Because I remember like 
just JMU Twitter was like, what's happening? Yeah. He, like he started like three for three or something where it was just, and they're all huge buckets. Can we expect the same out of Scooter or will there be? Yeah, Scoot uh, can go. Um, <laughs> um, we knew we could play, but again, that was someone me and Kevin had really never seen play. Um, but um, I think when people see, and he did an interview earlier this week with JMU and, you know, he transferred to D2 um, IUP, but IUP is legit. They're one of those D2s. I mean, in the interview, I think he said they, they lost to like Maryland by 10. They beat some other division one. Like, the, and he says they would have beaten JMU the year that he his sophomore year or whatever. <laughs> and I don't disagree. Like Scoot can go. He played a couple years of pro. So hoping and expect that out of him. And I think um, he kind of surprised, you know, now he works for the Duke club. Now he's head of the Duke club, which is kind of a cool story too. Probably one of the few teams that has a non coaching member work at the school they're representing, if that makes sense. Um, and I think he turned a lot of donors heads last year <laughs> and hopefully he can turn some more heads this year. Maybe we can help him fundraise too. Maybe we should do, hundred dollars for every bucket he gets or something so kind of <laughs> something funny to help the Duke club grow too but yeah we're expecting the same thing from scooter he's been he was a great ad for us last year and i mean he was the perfect like off the bench player right just give you like 20 minutes and just go as hard as you can and um fill in those holes get some great steals and some great buckets so what's it like from from your role and your perspective so you're you're the gm you've spent all this time setting up a team i know last year getting in was a lot of work Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to go very fast when the event comes, right? You got there and it was a single elimination. It's one really good performance. And then you guys got knocked out. But what's it like look like for you the months leading up? And then obviously leading up to it this year, it sounds like you guys have set up a training camp, which seems like a change uh, from last year. And and what sort of the, the lead up look like for you? Yeah, it's a lot of work. And I hope to kind of appreciate it more this year. I mean, I, it was fun last year. I actually had a, a wedding the night before. Um and near Stanton. And so I didn't get to Charleston until the morning of, I left at like 5am. So I literally had like less than 24 hours to enjoy it all. I mean, luckily I was there for the game. Um, and so with training camp leading up to it and being able to get there the night before, and we're going to get some wins and make a deep run. I hope I can appreciate it more, but um, not to do my own horn, but it's a lot more work. I think than people realize um, coordinating schedules and flights for people and um, fundraising and all that stuff. It's a, it's a lot of work. And especially with the training camp this year that adds a couple extra days. We need commitment from people and um, maybe more so than other teams that we have some um, what three or four of our players are really good players, but they don't play professionally currently. So they're not necessarily like off in the summer. Right. So scooter it's a little different because he works for the new club, but he's got a full-time job too. Right. And like Devon Moore plays in a lot of pro-ams, but he's got a, he's got a full-time job in Columbus, Ohio. And so coordinating those schedules to get time off and stuff like that. And then when you throw in Kamaya when they're WNBA season, which is her goal, it's like, we want Kamaya to be with us, but we want her to make a run in the WNBA too. So like, I was exciting when she got caught up to the link. So it's a lot coordinating schedules and fundraising and um, little insight too, like TBT, they covered hotels last year. Well, they don't cover any expenses this year. And so um, we, we want to be able to provide a fully covered experience for all the players. Um, and so fundraising goes into that coordinating schedules and, there's a couple of forms TBT requires you to fill out. And I mean, you know, everyone's lives get busy, but we have a roster of 15 and everyone's got to fill that stuff out. And um, so it's definitely a lot of work. And when I work a full-time job too, you know, the past two weeks, I think every evening I've had to spend focusing on TBT, which I love, like I, I do it because I love this and it's fun. And I want, I want to provide an opportunity for these players to get some of the best pro contracts they can after this, but um, definitely a lot of work with roster management and forms that got to be submitted and, um, coordinating with TBT and we're one of the few teams that does our own gear sale on the side and coordinating that too. So um, definitely a labor of love, but a lot of labor too. And a lot of love. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's not an easy thing. I think that's what some fans, obviously they're like, Oh, this is cool. And they tune in for the game, but it's yeah. months and months of work yeah. leading up to yeah. it. That's I mean, we essentially 
started when we lost last year, started <laughs> this year. I mean, obviously we didn't, we weren't working every day on it. Like we have the last month, but um, he even mentioned, I mean, I vividly remember this meeting and he mentioned it in his interview the other day on the daily sports feed was Andre, like that after we lost that game, Andre and Ron came up to me in Kevin's room and we're like, we're doing this again next year. Let's figure out now how we're going to get a win this year. And so the planning definitely started last year once we lost um, against sideline and, um, here we are, and it's crazy to think we're a week away. That, that year flew by from when we lost. I mean, I think the anniversary was today, actually. I think the game was a year ago today, um, if I'm not mistaken. So 365 days plus, and we're back at it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jack, go ahead. I was going to say, so with just a few days left between now and or I guess when the listeners are listening and when tip-off occurs, can you break down when, where, how, all the watching stuff, you know, yeah. the, the housekeeping stuff? And then also, what are your expectations? Like, you've, you've said a few times you want to see a run, you want to see a, a couple of wins, six wins, win it all. What are your expectations for game one, though? Yeah. Um, so um, besides Dimitri starting travel today, everyone else kind of starts travel Wednesday, Thursday. So we're convening on Harrisonburg. Some people get there Wednesday night. Um, we're going to have one um, evening training camp session Thursday evening. Um, at the AUBC, we're not going to have our whole team at training camp. I think we're only have five to six and we'll have a couple other fill in. So we'll get up to 10, um, just some fill in guys for training camp. It was just hard to coordinate schedules. But um, Thursday, we'll do an evening session of training camp. Friday, we're going to do a morning session, which is a full 40 minute scrimmage. So that's kind of the bulk of Demetrius research, but it'll also be good to do a 40 minute scrimmage. And we're going to do the Elam ending in that scrimmage too, because you now we've watched some games now and I feel like players just kind of lose their minds in the Elam ending. I don't know if it's an ego thing or not. So we really <laughs> want to emphasize like focus and getting good shots in the Elam ending. And then we're going to do a Friday night session as well. Um, that'll be open to the public from four to 6 PM. So um, that was just announced today. Um, and hopefully more information will be coming from JMU about that as well. But um, public practice. So feel free to come by the AUBC Friday from 4 PM to 6 PM. would love to see you. The guys will be available to chat and autographs um, and all that after the practice um, and during this to be the fans team and all that. Um, Saturday morning, we'll wake up, drive to Charleston together, about three-hour drive, um, get settled in at the hotel, probably do some film and scouting. Um, and then that night is a 33-point contest. So Joe Posey will be our rep. And they call it a 33-point contest because it's just head-to-head. -head. You can shoot wherever you want around the perimeter, and you got to make 11 threes for 33 points. Um, and Brandon McLean will be his rebounder. You get one rebounder. And then Sunday morning, um, just get after it, you know. Um, wake up and uh, maybe do a little, couple more um, – team meetings and stuff just to get our minds right and then tip off with her dad at 5 p.m. Um, and so we're excited about this matchup. It's, um, you know, last year we got matched up with one of the best, um, most known teams of TBT, Southern Cancer, and this year we're getting matched up with another popular team and arguably the home team. Um, if you say there's two home teams at TBT with Charleston, West Virginia, and heard that in Best Virginia. Um, and so we're super excited about this matchup. I think there's a little chip on our shoulder and bulletin board material too because not only do we know just from our own knowledge of the game and the tournament, but also many people have come out and publicly said how excited they are for the herd that best Virginia second round matchup. And so we vehemently uh, plan to spoil those plans. Um, and, um, and so we're excited about that. Um, they have a good history. They made a deep run in the bubble last or two years ago, they got um, a win. And then I think they only lost by one point to the team that lost in the finals last year, team 23. So we know they can play and, um, John Elmore, their shooter, who's a Marshall alum, like he is a, he's a bucket. Um, we know that he's going to be a big part of, um, stopping him will be a big part of our, um, our game plan. And we know we have guards that can guard him too. 
Um, they, they made two late ads last night. Um, Trey, I can't think of his name now. The guy that played at ODU and then transferred to Nevada and then another guard whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, and both of those guys can play. Um, and so um, had to adjust some scouting report last minute, but that's part of TBT too. And um, we're just going to go at it the same way we kind of did last year. And again, we watched some of these games and basketball coaches say, but I agree like basketball is an easy game, and especially in TBT with it kind of being glorified pickup. We think our, our strength can be a little more organization and a little more like um, discipline, whether it's discipline in rebounding, hitting the glass or discipline in boxing out or discipline in the shot you get. Um, that's kind of our game plan, but um, we're certainly excited. Um, don't want to give too much away, but I think it's kind of obvious too. Like Andre was hurt last year, um, which people didn't know. I think he got less than 10 minutes. Um, but as many Jamie fans know, Andre Nation can freaking play basketball. And so we feel like we have a little weapon in our back pocket with Andre. Um, obviously, Ron can absolutely go. Brandon can go. Scooter can go. Devon can go. But people saw that last year, right? And heard that can watch film to see that from last year. But um, Devon or Andre Nation can score. He can defend. He's a he's a dog. Um, I loved his quote he had on the radio the other day where he was like, we might be underdogs, but that means we still got dog in us. And um, that kind of that, that's Andre's mentality. And he's matured a lot. Everyone knows his backstory. He's, he doesn't shy away from the backstory. He acknowledges um, how much he's grown up and matured and he's been a great leader for us in many respects. And so um, having him and Ron and um, those people just get after it and um, just just play as hard as we can, I think can be our strength. And I feel good about our matchup. I mean, heard that says the same thing, right? They, they, they feel good against us. And so, um, but we're excited and um, hopefully can play spoiler in the hometown crowd. And um, we have to have some JMU fans there too. I've seen some people express showing up. I, um, I'd be naive to say, I think we'll have more than heard that because I don't think we will. But um, if we can get a couple people in there and get some noise in there, it'd be really cool to play in front of the home crowd. I am kind of excited because we're in the same session as Best Virginia, mm -hmm. um, Green Virginia that plays after us. I'm, I'm interested to see if the Best Virginia fans will root for us to upset Heard That or they want Heard That to win to get the matchup <laughs> um, that they want. So I don't know which way that'll go, but um, we can control what we control and um, just do what we did last year. And I, I we had a really good game plan last year, as you saw by how we played against sideline. Um, a couple of possessions early on I think we could have changed up how we approach those and at the end of the day it was a one possession game and so if you fix one or two of those possessions you can come out with the win Yo, I was I was curious kind of what the process is like of evaluating other teams how much do you put into it so yeah I had the heard that roster up and it does look like they added Trey Porter who's a 6'11 guy yeah when like when a team adds uh, someone who's seven feet tall essentially you know like a week before the game and mm -hmm. Sunday at five, what's sort of the reaction? Is it just kind of business as usual or you do you do some scouting on him and, and change maybe the game plan at all? Um, we'll definitely change up the scouting report a little bit. We haven't done too much of that. We've sent it out some film and some uh, paper scout to the players. We also don't want to over scout either. Like these are right. adult professional players. We're not trying to, I mean, they want to win the million dollars. We're not trying to drown them with um, all these different <laughs> things. And um, we want it to be fun too at the same time. Um, so I wouldn't say too much changed and we'll, we'll do some film this weekend and the roster deadline, I think is 72 hours before your first game. So heard that's kind of announced that it's locked in by now. It's Monday when we're recording mm -hmm. this. Um, and so and I don't think they're lying um, by saying it's not locked <laughs> in, but at a minimum 72 hours before it'll have to be locked in. And so our, our approach doesn't change too much. Just kind of add them to the scout. And um, it's kind of unique too. It's the same. It's interesting kind of how you approach conference tournaments too. You know, you have a whole week to prepare for this one game but then you're also planning on having two or three after, right? So it's like, do you go ahead and, and start scouting the future games? You don't want to get ahead of yourself, but you don't want to be, when you win, you don't want to be scrambling either. Um, every, because of TV schedules, every 
region schedule is a little different, but we have that off day Monday. So we haven't, um, we're all in on her that because we know we have a, we have at least 36 hours to prepare um, for um, the second round matchup because the day off. Now that third round matchup is Wednesday, the day after. So that we'll have to approach that a little different when we get there. But um, right now we're focusing all on her that and trying to find out the best way we can um, to beat them. And, um, and I also think because of the like fluid nature of rosters and glorified pickup, like I think it's, you don't need to overscout too much much right like if we play good basketball we're gonna win and so if we can um implement a simple offense simple defense do our job move the ball not take any shots without one pass box out like we're gonna win no matter what the other team does i think with all the work that you've done if they you know if they get it done you've got to get at least five hundred thousand of a million right exactly <laughs> yeah we deserve that yeah if we got paid by the hour <laughs> make sure you get it yeah i mean some of these that, teams yeah. do pay their players i don't know I mean, they, it's because they have like, billion, like Syracuse has literally a billion dollar booster. They're, I think their payday player is like $50,000 and not every team does, but um, yeah, we're barely scraping by to, to pay for all the meals <laughs> in the hotels. So <laughs> we'll cross that bridge in future years. But um, I think every year, you know, when we were getting votes, it was like, is this legit? And then when we got in last year, some JMU fans caught on board and then we made that run and AJ's story was all over ESPN and Sports Center, and that made it a little more legit. And so I think, you know, Step one was getting denied. Step two was getting in. Step three is now getting a win. And hopefully that adds some legitimacy and makes us a mainstay for years to come. And hopefully fans can get excited. We know there's tons of entertainment options out there, right? Like I work in sports business, but I know all that. But I hope teams and fans can get excited about having some JMU, um, some JMU something to follow this summer. Um, and one thing we haven't mentioned, but um, you could maybe say it's the first Sunbelt ma- Sun matchup of the, of the new conference. So um, we'll definitely probably play that up this weekend. And um Hopefully some JMU fans recognize that too. I don't know if TBT had that in mind. I don't think they thought that far ahead, but yeah, it's the, it's the inaugural Sunbelt matchup between JMU and Marshall. Yeah. There probably aren't too many alumni teams that I think would excite JMU fans, but I think the Marshall right. one with the yeah. Sunbelt tie in now kind right. of actually. And I think that adds a legitimacy to it too. Like fans know about TBT, but unless you know about TBT, you didn't really know about sideline cancer. So it's like we're in, right. but who's this opponent sideline cancer. Now it's heard that um, in my senior year when I was a manager, we played, excuse me, Marshall twice. I don't, probably one of the few times a team has ever played an opponent twice in non-conference play a home and home. Um, but we played them twice. I think we actually beat them twice. Um, that might've been the year they went on to win in the first round in the NCAA tournament too. Um, and they were like a running gun team. They would average over a hundred points then. Um, but, and I think John Elmore was on that team. I don't know if he ever got minutes, but he was on that team. So kind of cool there. And yeah, go Sunbelt, go, go JMU, go Herd. <laughs> Yeah, it should be a fun to watch and not to like overinflate the importance, but I feel like with um, the men's basketball teams, like, you know, somewhat lack of struggles in tournaments, right. there's almost like anything related to a tournament with a majority of men's basketball players, I feel like is, is going to build some. some yeah, I guess I never, I mean, interest. I, yeah, obviously their lack of men's basketball success in conference tournaments, but I guess, yeah, we got, we got to buck that trend now that we lost last year. You do bring up a good point. <laughs> it's not lost on us that, um, yeah, what men's basketball has not paid it past the quarterfinals since 2013, right? I don't think yeah. they've won a conference tournament game. Oh wait, no. Well, they, they won like they the, won the two play-in game under yeah. Rero a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. yeah. There was the one where he got ejected like eight. Minutes yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great one. That could be a strategy if if you want to get tossed or Kevin or somebody. Wants <laughs> well, I don't to get like to bring this up because I'm still embarrassed and ashamed of it. Um, 
and it kind of got lost if you watch the broadcast because there was a lot of chippiness going on. But I actually got a technical foul in the first half last year. I don't think people realize that. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah. So it was, I think, when the score was like 14 14. So it was pretty chippy early on. And Cody Ballard and Marcus Keene were going at it and they called a double technical on them. So things were really chippy. Mm-hmm. And I think two possessions later, the ball, we were on defense. So the ball was on our, like, in front of our bench and the referee made a call about it out of bounds play scooter i think scraped the ball out of someone's hands and it hit the backboard and so they called dead ball and i didn't say a word i just jumped <laughs> up out of my seat and i said oh didn't like curse didn't even like look at the referee and he beat <laughs> me up from across the court i mean i still think it was unjustified um but i was so pissed at myself um but and even aj who was sitting next to me you know because he, he was like he looked at the ref it wasn't worth a call that he was on from me he's like man he didn't say a word like um but i think they were just looking to give someone a t because they were trying mm-hmm. to calm things down after that double technical but um the broadcast didn't really know what was going on either if you go back and watch it but i the, the elam ending kind of bails out technical fouls because it doesn't like no matter what it's going to be plus eight or plus seven right right so, um i mean it still gave them some extra points but it didn't affect the flow i mean that, actually that is when we went on that run where we, we got up by 13 i think in the first half that's when that run started so maybe it was worth it but um, so not to go too much about myself because i was so pissed at myself for that because like obviously like it's not about me and i i wasn't like if i'm gonna get a technical i want to like curse out the ref and like, <laughs> right. like put him in his place not jump up out of my seat out of out of and i wasn't even like looking at the ref i was just like oh like because yeah, i thought he made the wrong call and he teed me up from across the court i don't know but i'm going to hunt run. down the highlights of yeah, this game yeah. this is going to be tweeted <laughs> yeah. from jamie sports news so yeah this, go this for has it. to be uh this has to be found because i didn't even <laughs> I look thinking back to that game. I guess I just remember the end of it where it was so yeah. dramatic and so yeah. like intense. I don't even remember the chippiness that there was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So now I have to go back and, and rewatch it for my own film study. Yeah. And I mean, it, I wouldn't say we've lost sleep over it, but it's been fun. You know, if you last year before the game, I mean, we knew we were good. But we also knew the sideline was good. I don't think we really knew what to expect. Like, are we going to compete? Are we going to get blown out? Who knows? But if you had told us before the game, you'll have two possessions or you just need a two-point bucket to win, of course we would have taken that. And we did. We had two possessions. We just couldn't convert either of them. I think it was tied 77 with an Elam ending. They missed a shot, so we got one shot. And then they came down, and Stucky drew that amazing charge to get us another possession. And then we turned the ball over, and they went down and shot a three to win it. So, um, But we're going to get that Elam ending this year. Ending was incredible. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's interesting now that we know that you're a potential hothead on the bench. You can get tossed at any moment. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have AJ. I'm gonna have to have AJ hold me down, or um, or have the Mike Dean seatbelt. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. that video of the Mike Dean seatbelt, but when he was at WAC, I mean, you know, Mike Dean, awesome guy, but yeah, um, he could say a couple things to referees too. In college game day one year, when he was at Wagner, did a story on he actually had a seatbelt on his chair. When you Google it, Google Mike Dean seatbelt, and there's a college game day story where his Wagner assistants put a seatbelt on his on his chair to stop him from jumping up and getting technical fouls. Um, wow. So maybe I need the Mike Dean seat belt. Yeah. <laughs> be, be quite the honor. I feel like you get the Mike Dean seat belt. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's all I've got Jack, but we should probably hit the highlights again. So you got the Friday in Harrisonburg. I think it was like mm-hmm. four to 6 PM. If people want to watch yeah. that, that scrimmage. And then the game is Sunday uh, in Charleston, West Virginia, Charleston Coliseum, 5 PM Eastern time. And then you win. It would be a Tuesday game. I think it's Tuesday at eight if I have the schedule. Tuesday at eight, yeah. And then, and then Wednesday be, at seven, I think. Yeah, Wednesday at seven. 
and Sunday is going to be on ESPN three. I think there's maybe a chance it'll get bumped up. Some games got bumped up late last year. It's not like I have inside info. Obviously we hope it does, but yeah. right now ESPN three and tickets are on sale online too. If you want to come in person, we probably had 40 or 50 fans last year, which is really cool. So hopefully going to have um, some more, but um, yeah, excited for that. Um, uh, beyond the Sunbelt, I've made a couple um, jokes too, about you don't have to watch this game on flow. The jokes went easier last year when we weren't in the Sunbelt yet, but um this is the first taste of what it's actually like to watch a game being broadcast on the normal network um so yeah we hope fans can tune in and get excited and um, yeah fired up to to run it back yeah i'm looking forward to it and uh jamie i feel like the roster is built almost similarly to like the current team where there's just like a lot of guys who are six five and very good at basketball so i'm pretty excited to watch uh watch that group of guys go after absolutely Yeah, it was great talking to Joe. I enjoy speaking to Joe in general, but it's it's a cool event. I think it's a very cool event. And again, not to like put too much stock in it, but I think a win would be pretty cool for JMU fans and like the basketball program as a whole, especially on the men's side. I feel like any momentum they have, anything, even if it's an alumni team that like garners fan interest is a huge positive. So they've already kind of won going into the week. I'm really glad he was able to keep his cool during that interview, though, and not like jump up out of his seat at any point and get really upset at a at, at something we asked or something like that. That's insane that he got a deck. They're probably gonna have to, you know, try to win by a few more possessions than they were looking forward to at the beginning, given given Joe's temper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so funny too because he's like very even <laughs> mannered, like most of the time, and super level headed. <laughs> It's crazy to get attacked. <laughs> well, anything else you have to add about this uh, from this podcast? Not too much. Five o'clock Sunday, I'll try to tune in. I also think it would be really, really sweet if they won because then you can have the two, the midweek games in the summer with a JMU connection. Sign me up. Yes, sir. So that's Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern uh, on ESPN3. Keep it locked to our Twitter as well as the Founding Fathers Twitter. I think they're at Founding Fathers TBT or something like that. Um, ben is probably going to be looking it up. It might be also be like Found Fathers. It's that's it's yeah, it's Found Fathers TBT. Okay, um, so you can follow along there to keep up to date with any change. It might get pushed to ESPN two, ESPN News, ESPN something like that. That's Sunday, five p.m. Eastern. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg area, Friday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., they're having an open practice. Uh, the guys will be there for autographs, talk with them, um, chat, ask them questions, fun stuff like that. So if you're in the Harrisonburg area, check that out at the Atlantic Union Bank Center. Game Sunday, if they win, when they win, off Monday, play Tuesday, Wednesday, um, and that's their regional, and then they have to win three more games to win the million dollars. It'd be very incredible if they, <laughs> they made a deep run. I feel fun. like I have two. I, I have I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of faith in this team after last year's performance. Like I didn't think yeah. they would be able to beat sideline cancer last year, let alone be like, I guess, let alone that that's not the right saying to segue. No, no, I say next, but like be a two, within two possessions to win it at late. Yeah, I thought they were. To be honest with you, I thought they might lose by like 20 because of what too. sideline cancer had done. They experienced in the tournament. <laughs> they had a team of like guys who were probably playing together a little more regularly. And they yet yeah, had shots at the end <laughs> to win a multiple possession. So if they can get get a win or two, that also helps, I think, in the future of like locking them into this. And it can be a staple of like JMU fans 
yeah. um, in the future. So it would certainly be cool if they can find a way to pick, pick up a win. Awesome. For Ben and Conlon, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. This has been the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.